I'm Steve Roush with Capital City Law. And I am Jen Wolf with Wolf Legal. On this episode of You Can't Take It With You, we're going to talk about estate planning considerations for single parents. You know, Jen, in my in my life, I'm actually remarried. I was married prior. I have uh, four adult children from that prior marriage. And now I'm remarried. And my lovely wife, she was not married before, but she was in a relationship where the, uh, is a child. Her. And one of the things that we have dealt with through that process of deciding to get married and going through the process is we needed to do some estate planning. This wasn't so much for single parents, although we did a plan, she did a plan when she was a single single mom, was to take into consideration these issues of, well, she has a custody arrangement with the father. How do we deal with that? I think that's such a great perspective to bring in, Steve, because the number one question that I get when I am talking to a single parent is, how do I handle guardian issues? How do I handle naming a guardian in my will? Who gets to decide? Does my custody arrangement control? I speak to a lot of groups of parents, and this is without fail, one of the questions that I'm asked. And so I think if we were to put a pin in this, our number one estate planning consideration for a single parent is, how do you make determinations about guardianship for your minor child? And so in your instance, when you were working through it with your own family, Steve, what were some of the things that you thought about or that were in play when you were trying to name guardians? So one of the things that in our particular situation we had to deal with is that uh, my wife is the sole physical and legal custody holder of her daughter. So through the, the court process of the paternity hearing that went through, the court determined that because of the circumstances that uh, my wife would have that sole physical and legal custody. Now that's not normal. Normally when you have parents, there's going to be custody that's both legal and physical that's split between those parents. And in our particular situation, because of the way the court had ruled in her situation, she has all of the custody. And so we had to address as we were working through her will, what if something happened and she passed away and who is going to be the guardian for for her daughter um, if she passed away? Because the father doesn't really have any custody rights. He still has some visitation rights, but he has no legal or physical custody rights. And so in her will, we had to be very careful about how we drafted that. We actually tied into the prior court order so that we were being very specific about the reason why it would be important that the court appoint her guardian for her choice of guardian guardian for her daughter versus just defaulting to the father as the parent. And in many cases, when you're a single parent, the other parent of your child would be who the court will name as a guardian if something were to happen to you. But I think what Steve is emphasizing here is there are times where that is not the appropriate choice. And through proper planning, we can lay it out for the court and explain to them what really is in the best interest of the child, because that's the standard that they are looking at when they are making guardianship determinations. And so just to put your mind at ease, 
if you are in a situation where the other parent of your child is not going to be fit for for their long-term care or to act as their guardian if something were to happen to you, and if that's a big source of stress in your life, there are ways to document that and to create a plan where it's really, really clear for the court what would be in the best interest of the child. And that's, I think, the number one consideration that we're looking at when we are looking at estate planning here. I think the, you're, you're right, Jen, and, and maybe just we'll talk just a little quick bit here about kind of the process. So, you know, if you as a single parent were to pass away and you have a will that had a guardianship provision in it, what's going to happen is you're going to your personal representative or your family or the person that you've picked as the guardian is going to petition the court and file that petition with the court in a probate proceeding, but it's for the purpose of appointing the guardian. And so the court takes that up very quickly because they recognize that we have a minor child that needs a guardianship appointment. And so that process usually works itself through fairly quickly and the court gets an order in place so that there is actually a named guardian. Um, Now, if there was, if that parent that doesn't have any legal or physical custody stepped up and objected, then the court's going to have to hear that. But if we've lined it out very carefully as to why that wasn't appropriate, the court's going to have to take that into serious consideration. In addition to guardianship considerations, the other thing that you'll want to think through as a single parent is who do you want to be in control of funds that are going to be utilized on behalf of your child if something happens to you? And so You can either create a will with a testamentary trust, and we talked about this on our podcast episode about will-based planning, but in summary, that is a will that essentially during the probate process allows for a bucket to be created, this testamentary trust, and funds can be put in that trust and then managed on behalf of your minor child until they reach certain ages and stages that you've designated in your documents, or alternatively, you could have a revocable living trust and the funds can flow into that trust and then be managed on behalf of your child. But either way, you're going to want to think through who would be the person that you would want to name as the trustee who would have the ability to utilize those funds on behalf of your child for their health, education, welfare, and support until they reach the appropriate ages where they would be able to take those distributions, thinking through who could manage that well for you, who would be a responsible choice. Often, in a situation where there's been a divorce or some sort of acrimonious split with the other parent, you're not going to want the other parent to have control over those finances. And so you're going to want to think through how do you name someone that you think would be a good fit for that role? Uh, Absolutely. And I think that's, I've had a number of occasions where that was even a bigger considerations. They weren't so much worried that the, that the other parent was not fit to provide the care. It was so for they, guardians, they're not as concerned. Right. It was, I don't want him or her controlling the money, right? And so they wanted to make sure that they had named the appropriate and designed the appropriate plan so that they have the ability to have somebody control those funds and provide the appropriate um, distribution of funds when needed. And in any sort of estate plan, you can split the roles of guardians and trustees. So just to be clear, they do not have to be the same person. You can pick the person that you want to name as a guardian and the person you want to name as a trustee in any estate plan. But in this particular situation we're discussing, it might become even more important. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if, if there's any kind of uh, you know divorce or acrimonious split, like you said, Jen, because what we're trying to do is make sure that your wishes as the deceased person 
are being followed by the court. And so by setting up either a testamentary trust or looking at a revocable trust to be able to fund those assets into, you're setting that up for the success of your child because those assets are then going to be protected and managed by somebody that you've picked to be able to make sure that it happens according to your wishes. And in terms of picking someone who can act according to your wishes, another really important document to have when you are thinking through your estate planning and your single parent is a well-drafted power of attorney. So a power of attorney document allows someone else to act as your agent, make decisions on your behalf while you're still living, but have become incapacitated. So if something occurs and there's some sort of an injury or an accident or an illness that has left you incapacitated for a period of time, a power of attorney would allow someone to step in, pay your bills, make sure your mortgage is paid, make sure that your life keeps moving forward and so that your child's life is disrupted to the minimal amount possible and is allowed to step into your shoes and make those decisions on your behalf. Yeah. One of the things that is a big concern there is that you know, power of attorney, we want to make sure that we've got that person named to be able to take care of you, but they also need to be able to have some authority to take care of the children. Right. Like take them to school, be able to take them to the doctor, all those things that you as a parent sign off on right now. Exactly. Because one of the big ones that we deal with is school. You go to the, you know, that you need to enroll the child in school or they're already in school. And now all of a sudden you're not there and they're looking at this person going, who are you? And the school has a duty to make sure that the child is protected as well. And so they're going to be start asking questions about, well, do you have the appropriate documents in place? And then healthcare. Healthcare is the other area where oftentimes we're looking at not only do we need to have a power of attorney in place to be able to make healthcare decisions for you, but we also need to have a power of attorney in place so that that person that you've named can make healthcare decisions for that child in case they're ill and they need to go to the doctor. So those these are just vitally important documents. And I tell clients oftentimes the power of attorney documents in any particular time maybe are probably more important than your actual estate documents because you're only going to die once, but you might become <laughs> sick or ill multiple times throughout right, life. Right. And so you need those in place. Along with that, one of the big things that we talk about is, and Jen, talking about how do we make sure that there are sufficient resources if something happens to you. When we talk about life insurance, life insurance is such an important aspect when you have minor children because you want to make sure that if you pass away, there is a pool of money available to be able to provide for that care for that child long term. Right. And, you know, some folks think, well, I have saved a lot of money in my 401k or my other various retirement vehicles. And so they'll be able to utilize those funds. And as we all may or may not know, there are a lot of strings attached with using funds that are in a qualified retirement account. And so life insurance allows those funds to process pretty immediately from the life insurance company to your trust that's been set up on behalf of your child. And then suddenly there are funds available for their care. And so you're able to make guardianship decisions where it is not hinging on who has the financial resources to care for my child. But in fact, you've set your child up with those financial resources for going forward. Exactly. It's part of my adulting 101 conversation <laughs> I have adulting. with people. I love that term, adulting, <laughs> because it, it really kind of encapsulates what we're trying to do here is think about all those things that we should be doing as adults. Right. Uh, Jen, what happens if as a single parent, you get into a relationship and you remarry. What are those, what, what considerations do we have then? 
Blended families are a blessing in a lot of ways, but can present some unique challenges. You have to think through in that scenario, okay, well, now do I want to leave all of my assets when I pass away to my spouse? Do I still want to have some assets bypass my spouse and and be left directly for my child? Do I want to leave assets to potential stepchildren that I might have? We really want to make sure that your estate plan reflects your current life circumstances. And so this is a plug for understanding that these documents are supposed to be growing with you and your family, and they're not just set it and forget it documents. And so it's important to have an estate plan. It's also important to revisit that estate plan when anything major in your life, including a remarriage, occurs so that you can make sure that the plan is keeping up with where you are in life and that there's not something that slips through the cracks inadvertently. No, no, it's one of the big things that we deal with. I've had a, a number of occasions now where I've had, I've worked with single individuals, put it together in a state plan, whether that was a will-based plan or a trust-based plan. And then they came and they remarried. And we were now trying to figure out, okay, what's the dynamic here and how do we design the plan? And sometimes that means starting over. It means, you know, dissolving the plan that we had in place and just starting fresh. Sometimes it may be that we just take the existing plan and modify that to add in the new spouse. So there's all those considerations that we take in. And then if you're bringing in multiple minor children into the mix, right, you you know, his, hers, and theirs, you got all these factors that we have to take into consideration in the new planning documents as to how, you know, how are assets going to be distributed if one parent passes away? What happens if both of them pass away? What's the split? And and who's, who, again, going back to who's going to be the person that's going to take care of those children and who's the person that's going to manage the assets becomes a very important decision. And when we're talking about assets, just a quick reminder, your beneficiary designations. So any sort of a policy that you have, like a life insurance policy or a retirement policy, an annuity, something where you have designated who you want the beneficiary to be. Let's say that your relationship status has changed. Let's make sure that you go back and look at those documents and don't inadvertently list someone that you no longer want to be your primary beneficiary. Additionally, thinking through the importance of not trying to name minor children to be your beneficiary. So let's say you were married, you've gotten divorced, so you no longer want your ex to be the beneficiary. You want your five-year-old to be the beneficiary. Well, that's another reason why trust-based planning is so important because then you can name the trust as your beneficiary and not that minor who can't inherit, but they'll still be able to benefit from those funds. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other considerations that we look at when we're talking with single parents is, do you have a child or children who may have special needs issues? I run into it actually more often than you would think where we have um, a child that is either on the autism spectrum or Asperger's syndrome spectrum, where they may be very high functioning, but they still have some, some disabilities that we need to address. And they may be eligible to qualify for some form of a government benefit. And so we look at that as part of the planning. Do we need to include some form of a supplemental needs or special needs provision within your planning? And and that's another topic that we will address in another episode. But it is a very important consideration to have that discussion with single parents just so that we, we understand what the needs are for that child. And so I think for all parents, obviously, the primary driver for estate planning is making sure your kids are protected. But for those of you who are single parents who might lay awake at night and think, what on earth will happen to me 
or it happened to my children if something happens to me. This can really provide a lot of peace of mind when you get it all set out and it's written down and your wishes are known. Then you really know that you are leaving your child if something were to happen to you in the best possible situation. 